I want to give a huge thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Therapy isn't something to run away from, it's a vessel to run towards. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online, so break out your comfies. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time. Any time. And schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. No more fumbling to get a session on the calendar. You schedule based on when the time is right for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. Therapy changed my life for the better. Pun intended. And with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Rocky. That's BetterHelp.com slash Rocky. via our interaction at Dead & Co. What a ride. Last time I went to Dead & Co, I didn't bring my notebook to take notes. I wanted to take notes because I was feeling the music and I was climbing Mushroom Mountain, man. And that's where I go to get my sage and sexy wisdom. That being said, I'm not advocating, advertising, advising, or promoting the consumption of any illegal substance on this podcast. I'm simply sharing my experience. This time, I had my pocket-sized notebook on me and the truffles of the gods inside me, so I have a lot to say. First, D, thank you for once again cultivating an experience in my life that I will never forget. I'm so lucky to be your niece, and I'm so insanely spoiled by you. I just love you, and I'm grateful. Now, let me tell you a little bit about jam band culture, if you don't already know. If you happen to be front and center anywhere on the lawn or general admission, you're going to run into some of the same people show after show. Some fans have been to five shows, some have been to 15, and some have been to 50. And people tend to park themselves in the same place year after year. I'm new to jam band culture, so my mind frame is when it comes to concerts, always get as close as possible. So this is new for me. Now, any closer and we'd have been on stage. That's how close we were. But people own their space in a way I hadn't been privy to before. No one's on top of each other. You have room to move. And if you haven't been standing there the whole time, it's really really hard to push past the tribe. And I am going to say tribe because the land dominance everyone had felt was very primal, very communal, and very tribal. And you have the privilege of learning about some of those members of the tribe right now, starting with Dandy Andy. Andy, Andy, Andy. Always smiling, nice enough, Andy. 
Andy was a question machine, baby. Exactly what people who are tripping love. Mundane interrogation. He'd probably been to about 20 dead shows. Kind enough. No harmful energy. I want that to be very clear about Andy. I would love to see Andy again at another show, but God damn it, Dandy Andy, stop trying to figure out our ages. This man must have rephrased the question, how old are you ladies, 14 fucking times. At this point, my mushrooms are mere minutes from kicking in. The show's about to start, and I just say, Andy, stop trying to figure out our ages. It doesn't matter, and the question is not getting answered. Ask us more interesting questions. Cis men, people in general, but particularly cis men. Stop trying to find out the ages of women so you can decide if we're fuckable. You may be thinking, Rocky, if this guy was bothering you, then why are you wasting your time talking about him? Because he wasn't bothering me. He was just asking me some questions that I know he is better than. And I'm talking about him because I know deep down Andy wants to be a star. I know this because he kept trying to get me to tell him about my little notebook. And he tried to get me to tell him about my little notebook a few times during the little concert, to which I replied, John Mayer is right there, bruh. How are you not only watching that? And why are you making me engage with you when John fucking Mayer is 20 feet away? You know, the band The Killers have a song called Andy, You're a Star. The lyrics read, Andy, you're a star in nobody's eyes but mine. It's a great song. And now you really are a star, Andy. Thanks for keeping our land safe, buddy. I love ya. And make sure you save that piece of paper from my little notebook. It's gonna be worth a lot of money one day. This father and son start pushing their way into our space. There's probably about 15 or 17 of us now who've been there holding down the land, and these guys were fucking bad news. I know I used the term they were giving, they may have been at the Capitol on January 6, 2021, as a descriptor often, but if the bullhorns fit. And when these men came through, they acted like they just climbed to the top of Mount Everest accomplished. But the tribe was not having it. It didn't matter how many be kind signs there were everywhere, there was about to be a real fight, which was not ideal because security couldn't have given a fuck less. And you're tripping on shrooms. But the group as a whole sucked out a poison and they went behind us. And you may be thinking, but it's general admission. They have every right to stand where they like. To which I say, again, I am trying to teach you about jam band culture. They do not have the right. So tell John Smith and John Smith Jr., I assume, to get their asses back on the goddamn Mayflower. The whole time, I'm so close to the stage and I can't even watch because between the music and my thoughts, I felt like I was riding Rainbow Road in Mario Kart. And then I would just have this thought and I'd write it down so I wouldn't forget and I didn't care that I was the girl in sunglasses taking notes during the concert. I couldn't care less. I felt so free. I had so many wonderful things floating in my head that I would have never remembered otherwise. Hello. When they played Hey Jude, I had this overwhelming desire to suck John Mayer's dick dry. D-R-Y dry. I wanted to suck the air out of his lungs through his penis pipe. 
While they were playing Hey Jude, I wanted to suck his dick till he changed the lyrics of Your Body is a Wonderland to Your Whole Mouth is a Hoover Dam. Hmm. Maybe that's too crass. I'll retract. I'll say Hey Jude was so good, it made me want to grow old with John Mayer. But I don't think you can grow old with a man without sucking a little dick along the way. Drugging. All while I'm feeling the song inside my soul, a guy from the tribe stands next to me. Now, I was not interested in this man at all, and that was all because of his beta demeanor earlier. He did something that really annoyed me. Three of us were standing in a circle during the break, smoking weed, and he wanted to smoke too. So he lingered for a while, and then one of us said, Do you want some? To which he said, Are you sure? And we all said, Yeah. I don't know. Are you positive? Yeah, it's all good if you want to smoke. Okay, if you guys are really sure. Because of the thought-provoking state my mind was in, I realized why, at its core, this really bothered me. Strip everything down. We've just welcomed you into the group thrice, with certainty. But then his subtext was, I don't feel worthy. Then ours was, but it's okay. Smoke our peace pipe. You're good. Then his subtext is, I don't trust you or believe myself worthy. So if my subtext allegations are true, that means when we send him out into the real world and he's our representative for the tribe, you're weak. We aren't begging you to smoke our weed, dog. Grow a backbone. So now when he stands next to me while I'm mid-swallow in my fantasy, he says, show me your notebook. No. Okay, well, at least tell me what you're writing. No. Okay, so show me then. No, dude, I am never showing you this. I've politely said no three times, and John Mayer is on stage. Does nobody see him? Has no one gotten the goddamn memo? All this money you spent on a ticket. Why don't you give it to me in my notebook, since you're absolutely obsessed? No means no. You'll never see the notebook. Don't fucking ask again. So then he just stood there. And he stared at me like a real fucking weirdo. And then I just stood there. And I felt the music unbothered. And I wrote or whatever I wanted to do. One thing the mushrooms taught me, not just this day, but in general, is that you do not owe people shit. You owe them nothing. Do you understand that? You owe people nothing. Particularly strangers. You do not owe people a connection. Period. End of sentence. Thin. Later, I heard this girl who was concerting solo in the tribe near us scream, Dude, stop looking at me. Leave me alone. To the same guy. And she didn't even have a notebook, so he was just a creep and not a good member of the tribe after all. A word to the wise. If you spend some time doing the work to know and love yourself, I can promise you you'll probably A, really like yourself and the cool thoughts you can think, and B, you won't be seeking validation from strangers, particularly strangers that cannot help you with your insecurities at a concert. The most important lesson I learned at the show is how critical it is for you to be yourself. Critical. If you are true to yourself while being kind to others, you're going to come out on top. And if you don't believe me, look at Beyonce. Her name is B. Just B. Be you. Beyonce is so herself, now she gets to go to whatever city she wants, sing and dance to whatever song she wants, wear whatever clothes she wants, be surrounded by whatever people she wants, all because for years 
She was being herself, whether you liked it or not. Also, no one is thinking about you. I don't mean your loved ones. I mean strangers, auxiliary people. So just go out into the world and be yourself and watch the rewards pour in. Trust energy, because energy is everything. There's no winner in the circle of life. We come, we eat, we leave. The only thing that wins and the only thing that stays after we go is love. So do me a favor and make sure you love your people a little extra this week. Love yourself triple extra and don't waste time with phonies and fakes. Long live the motherfucking dead. Oh, and tell John Mayer I said... Welcome to the Rocky Rundown, where you get to learn a little bit about my week. Party God Squad, hello. Did you have a good week? I sure hope so. This week, I have been thinking a lot about the word vibe. I don't think the word vibe is given enough weight. I think it's thrown around willy-nilly, and I think our culture has made it applicable to any and everything, and it just isn't. Vibe is short for the word vibration, in case you've forgotten, and it's powerful. We are all partial creators of the vibe, right? You come into the room, everyone's laughing, but you had a bad commute home, now it's everyone's problem. You show up to meet friends, and you're talking about the same bullshit problem you've been talking about for the past three years. Don't be known as the vibe killer, man. Sure, you're allowed to feel your feelings. But I want you to remember you're also in charge of your feelings, so have some power over them. And now that you know you have so much control over the vibe in life, always try to bring the best one because, baby, if you bring the best one and he brings the best one and she brings the best one and they bring the best one, then everyone's vibration is higher. We all win. The other day I was talking about 90s sitcoms with some friends and we were saying they really had us out here singing along to some heavy shit with a sick beat, not even knowing what we were saying. Take the nanny for example. She was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens. We later find out because of the song that she was unmarried. So that must have been tough on her, number one, dealing with all those Queens bridezillas and going home to a guy who's too chicken shit to put a ring on Fran Fine till her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. I'm sorry, what? Did he own the bridal shop? Was he her boss? Or did he kick her out of the apartment? We weren't even comprehending this. Why so sudden, my guy? What was she to do? Where was she to go? She was out on her fanny. Yikes. So this is serious. She can't even sleep on her friend's couch. She is out on her ass. We later find out she's a door-to-door makeup saleswoman because the next line is, so over the bridge from Flushing to the Sheffield's door, she had to go from Queens to the Upper East Side of Manhattan, 7 East 75th Street to be specific, on either an hour subway or three hours on foot to sell makeup to a British man who happens to be a widower. The rest of the song is positive, so I'm not gonna get into it, but really listen to what those songs are trying to say to us. It's pretty intense when you take a step back. I've actually had Trash Our Trash, Beautify Bluffington playing on a loop in my head for 30 years from TV, 
And if any members of the Party God Squad can tell me what show that's from, you'll get a shout out in the next episode. That brings us to Rocky's Highest Thoughts, my most stoned thoughts of the week. Number one, the Oscars are only so big because they're backed by money and time they've been on the air. Sarah Marshall was never even nominated. Sarah Marshall. Number two, phones can tell you everything about yourself, but they will let you drown if you type in a password wrong too many times. Number three, when someone does anything weird to their face to try and remember something, to me, that's the equivalent of blowing into a Nintendo game cartridge and hoping it works. And number four, why don't they tell you in school that you can be a sign language interpreter and then interpret huge concerts and look like you're having the absolute time of your life while being paid to see a show while providing an amazing service? Hey, everybody, that's a real job. Tell your kids. My guest this week is comedian Scott Ritchie. Scott's an improviser, a writer, a comedian, a singer, and he's an all-around gem that you should know about. Scott's wild word was Dateline, so it's about to get real SVU up in this bitch. If you haven't done so already, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can follow me at Wild Nights with Rocky on TikTok and Instagram at Wild Nights Pod on Twitter. If you want to watch extended interviews with all of my guests, please subscribe on YouTube. You can support the show for 2 or $5 a month by joining my Patreon. A big thank you and a future thank you to everyone who's written and everyone who will write a review when this episode is over. It really does make a difference. And now, please enjoy my Wild Nights conversation with Scott Ritchie. Scott, welcome. Thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me, love. It's an honor. Are you kidding me? I'm amped. It's an, it's an honor for me to have you. I feel like... um. You and I, we've known each other, I would say, probably like going on like a year-ish now. Mm -hmm. And we're in the improv community together. And I just have to say, week after week, and I want you to take this in. This is not me fishing for a compliment back. This is me telling you. This is your moment on my show. And I'm telling you, like, every week watching you do improv, I am so taken by your improv. And I'm like, where did this guy come from? You're so seasoned. You're so funny. You're so quick on and off stage. And um, I just love it. Wow. Oh, my God. You're going to make me cry first thing. That's all right. Yeah, and, and right back at you. You were an icon the moment. The legend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, I, I just feel like um, it's such a comedy is such a cool thing because and maybe you feel the same way about this. The longer you do it the more people you meet who do it. And if you've been doing it for a long time, sometimes some somebody could just pop up out of nowhere and you're like, oh my God, you, you're seasoned and you've trailblazed this whole path and I've never heard of you before and I'm so excited to hear of you. You know what I mean? And um, And the other thing I think is undeniable with comedy is when someone's got it, they got it. And when they're seasoned, they're seasoned. And you just came in like a fucking... KFC chicken baby. See, oh I'm adding all of this to the Wikipedia page. This is all your me life. Put it on your wiki feed. I know you have it's a wiki, wiki feed. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, wiki feed freaks me out. I actually do have a couple friends on wiki feed who um, I won't name their names because I don't want to have people searching for them because they may know them. But I I am also on wiki feed because my friend who is on wiki feed, there's a picture of me with her and I am an open toed shoes. So you're wiki feet adjacent. I love it. I'm wiki feet adjacent. Um, pre- pretty offended. I don't have my own wiki feet, but it, I mean, the internet is crazy. I mean, people, people are wild out here. People are, are stalkers, not trying to give anybody any ideas, but I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm just um, not trying to end up on Dateline. 
Exactly. Oh, that's, you know what, Dave? Well, that's a good little segue right there. That's a good that little makes... segue. So Scott's wild it. word was Dateline. So Scott, you are the I'm moment. This is this. the okay. moment. Please give us your wild night story. Y'all, this was a doozy. Mm-hmm. So it was 2003, August. Okay. Miss Richie gets home from school. This is where I, so I came up to New York to go to the New York Film Academy. Okay. I saved up all, all my little money, got up here, and then realized like, oh, you have to produce your own films too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I'm gonna have to get a job. So I saved up enough to where I was like, okay, I'm not really gonna have to work during school. So I was like, you know what? Let me get a gig. And so what had happened was when I came up here to look for a place, I was staying at like a hotel, is like Marie Hill. And I was like, okay, let me find a gay bar because I was liberated coming from Georgia. So the first thing I'm gonna do is go into a mm-hmm. gay bar, looking like a country bumpkin, and I sure did. Uh-huh. So I up the bar. It was called Code Bar and Lounge. It's on like West 54th Street. So I go there. And this was in 2003, you said? Yes, yes. This was like my first year in New York. Got it. And, and so I go to the bar. Well, it was no longer a gay bar. It had become like more a Jersey Holland Tunnel crowd bar mm-hmm. with uh, like two young kids work there. Yeah. So then like, I'm like, okay, I'm drinking there. I'm drinking there. And then the one of the bartenders ends up buying the bar. Like the kid, he gets like his family's money and buys it and then turns it back into a gay bar. And that's actually where I started doing drag. Amazing. So yeah, so I'm working at this place in August, 2003, also going to school. So I get home from like the New York Film Academy. It's a Friday. I've got like a tight two hours of sleep before I get to the club, lay my head down, go to bed, wake up covered in sweat. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I'm like, wait, why did my alarm not go off? Why is my um, TV not working? Girl, it was the blackout, but I did not know this. So I called my mother and I'm like, hey, I had just set up my, like, my direct deposit to go through for this Con Ed bill. And I think something's but she's like, idiot. The whole side of that country is in a blackout right now. So I'm like, oh shit, okay. So, you know, it's very jarring because, you know, you come from like all the, all your like first New year New York stuff is always fucking jarring and shakes you it's or whatever. scary, yeah. Yeah, because you're just like, huh? Because <clears throat> we didn't have many blackouts in Georgia. Right. So then I get a call because I don't even think this is like text time. I get a call from the owner of the bar and he's like, yo, we're around all these hotels. So it's popping here. We need you up here. And I'm like, bro, I'm in the East Village. This bar, so this bar again is on like uh, West 54th and like 8th. Mm-hmm. And I was living, I think at the time on like Rivington and Orchard. So like, he's like, well, yeah. you're going to have to come up here. I'm like, well, bro, the trains aren't working. The buses aren't working. And like, I think, you know, this is damn sure before the time of Ubers. Yeah. And so like cabs were then like jacking that shit up. So it'd have been like a hundred bucks to get up there. I didn't have that. So he's like, all right, we'll just start walking. So I'm like, okay. And what time yeah. was this? This is, this is probably like. 545 which is still bright okay. you know what i'm saying okay. it's not like you know and that's the thing it was interesting so it's actually fucking cool to walk through because you're walking through each neighborhood and it was a vibe it was a good vibe in like the afternoon with the sun yeah so like it's really cool because like everybody's kind of come out everyone's a little bit freaked out but i think they're just like okay you know it's that it's that old school new york shit where everybody's just kind of feeling it mm-hmm. little parties are kind of starting up like all the bodegas are bringing their shit out and like selling it cheaper having their candles ready it was not like Everybody like snatching for stuff. It was a good vibe at first. And so I'm like yeah. walking the neighborhood, slowly making my way up. And then when I get to like, I guess it's like, where was that? Maybe like 17th and 1st. There's just like this huge street party. And I'm like, well, I know I need to go to work. But like, you know, getting diverged, like like little red riding. And I'm like, well, let me go dig over here for a hot minute. And I just get in the zone. People are like bringing out drinks. Everyone's drinking in the streets, just chitter chattering. And then I'm like, okay, I better leave. I better leave. And so then I get another call. He's like, it's getting crazy up here at the bar. You got to go. So I'm like, all right, let me mosey my way on. So I'm walking, I'm walking, walking. Then my weed dealer calls. He's like, yeah, I got to get rid of my shit. He's like, I don't want this shit here with no power. He's like, so I'm selling all this shit super cheap. And I'm like, okay. Wait, what? Why didn't he, he want it there with no power? 
Because he said he had something with like the way he locked his shit up was like some electric shit. He wanted to like get out of like New York. He was he was very nutty. Gotcha, this is the gotcha. last hippie from Connecticut. So like gotcha, gotcha. he was like fire selling my shit. Like if you need to come get the shit, I'm getting out of the fucking city. Like all spooked and shit. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, that's on the way. So I'm walking up. I think he was on like maybe like 30th and like third or some shit. So I'm walking my way up there, just kind of feeling the vibe. Again, everything's still chill. Like everybody's super partying in the streets, but everybody's starting to get that like a little too drunky, if that makes sense, where yeah. you're like, okay, this could go either way. Mm-hmm. Like people could just keep raging and drinking or it could be chill. So I get to that dude's, uh, my dealer's house, buying that shit. And then there's this other dude there, this French dude. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to work. He's like, okay, can I come with you? And I'm like, well, sure. Because <laughs> I'm kind of feeling like, you know, it's cute. I'm feeling flirty. Yeah. So so then we're heading up there. We're on the way. So then we were uh, probably now at like 42nd and 3rd. And he's like, let's... um." Let's go get some food. I'm like, bro, I got to get to work. I got to get to work. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go get some food. Let's just do this shit real quick. And I'm like, well, it's already going to be crazy because restaurants, you know what I'm saying? Like, they were kind of open-ish and kind of not because, like, whatever they could do. Like, I think think it was, like, really, like, pizza ovens. So we go and get a pizza oven. I mean, a pizza from a pizza oven place. I also love that you're supposed to be on your way to work. I know. You're basically having the adventures of Scott bouncing all over the city. And you're like, I'm making my way to work, but... First, I first I got a couple errands. It honestly sounds like a Judd Apatow movie. All the errands you're doing in between your shift, and they're calling me, and I'm just like, "There's nothing I can do." I was like, you know, like I'm playing in a. I yeah. said it's so and it's, it's so hot. I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying not to get heat stroke, and they're like, "You need to," because apparently it's like line out the door because oh, it's like, like around there was like the Hilton Hotel. It was like a bunch of crazy shit. So then me and old French boy are at the pizza place eating. What did he say? He said like, "I'll be right back." I think he was like going to the bathroom. I'm sitting there, 10 minutes turns to 20 minutes. Oh, because we had not paid yet. That was the other thing. So I'm sitting there sitting there, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, I've got to get to work. Homeboy had dined and dished on me oh for a slice God. of pizza, yes. Oh so I'm like, God. all right, at 30 minute mark, I'm like, look, I'm gonna, because my boss is just calling, calling, calling. I'm like, you know what? I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Never saw him again. Played Good. me from pizza, I know. And then, so now it's starting to get dark. And so it's like, you know, it's getting a little edgy because there's no power in the city. So yeah. now I've been like, more like, uh, yeah, like 34th or in that time uh, area, heading like straight to Times Square, which is freaky as hell because it is completely pitch black dark. Yeah, and that area is dicey anyway in the light. Yeah. So. And then we're talking like, you know, you're feeling like you're in an apocalypse movie. So then I finally get to the bar. I turn the corner where that shit is. There is like a line out the door. Like it is like New Year's Eve up in that mother because it's <laughs> like, they were just like tons of everyone. And I'm like, why are we even doing this? So then get there. My friend's there, trigger warning for cocaine. My friend, okay. you're working for our life. He throws the bag at me. We're getting to work. We're getting And his name is Jason. Me and Jason are like best friends, just like getting it done. We've been working together, getting in the rhythm. Yeah. So we serve these damn people for like, I mean, I swear to God, that shit went on three hours, like longer than you think you would have supplies. And we're talking about like people drinking warm shit at this point. But just, just like, want to party, like, yeah. Yes. How, but I'm like, how in my head, I'm like, quickly people adjust. How quickly people huh? adjust. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And they all, and for some reason, they all had like their luggage with them. I don't know if the hotels were like, maybe it's just they weren't able to check them in, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it was just like, it looked like a fucking airport terminal in there too. So you're like walking around trying to like not bike it, bump into bags. And like, we cannot get these gremlins out to save our lives <laughs> because they're all shit based. And they're like, well, where do you want us to go? And we're like, look, not here. Go yeah, back to, we're only letting people like camp out in the lobbies of these hotels. Yeah. 
So that gets us to our Dateline friend. Okay. There was this kid. I will never forget him. This motherfucker looked like like a like a Florida version of Steve Vaughn. Okay. okay. Who's Steve Vaughn? Or Steven Zan, maybe. That dude who's like the blonde dude in the movies. Steven Zahn. Okay. Okay. All right. So this motherfucker looks like him. And he would come into the bar and he kind of taught me how to be a sugar baby. Okay. This oh. this man. Yes, this man was like, he told me all the tips. He was like, this is what you do when you like have an older gentleman call. Are you trying to make some cash? This is the drinks you give them because they'll get kind of sleepy. Not like, you know, scandalous stuff, but just like. Yeah, not drugging them, just making them want to nap. Yes, just just make, just maybe not have to go the full Monty, just a half year of Monty. Yeah, 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 a little sleepy time tea. <laughs> yes. And so he, so he's like, he's known for this. Okay. There is this old man, honey, and I'm telling you, if you ever seen any Netflix documentaries, anything like that, this motherfucker looks like that motherfucker who kills people. I mean, just gotcha. I, I have not 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 Stevens on this this customer comes okay. in from the hotel, and I'm telling you, he I, I mean, just serial killer reads serial killer. Gotcha. So he's pro- um, proposing that me, Jason, the other bartender, and this um, Stevens on dude go up to his hotel room and chill. Now, mommy, we're talking about we would have to go up 16 flights of stairs at the Hilton because the elevators weren't working to a dark ass room in a big ass hotel. I said, I don't think so. Yeah. And we're telling Steve Zahn, we're like, bro, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. We're like, you know, look, you can stay here. We was like, we will get you some McDonald's, bro. There is not enough money. That means you need to go creep up to a 16th floor hotel. Steve Zahn's like, you know what I'm doing? I've got to do it. Girl, we never saw that man again. No. Never. That man is... Just think about it. I mean, we never, like, this kid was a regular, lived in the neighborhood. After that night, we never saw him again. Dateline is fine. Did anybody, but did anybody follow up? Yes, I mean, like, we would call him. I mean, like, this is before texting. I'm a little Yeah, elderly. and like, oh, and there's no, like, Instagram and stuff. Yeah, okay. But I mean, we would hit him up all the time on a phone, and that phone, like, was good for, like, a few days, and then it got disconnected. Yeah. So either he's living his best life in Arizona with a serial killer, or he done got chopped up. Oh. And I'm thinking it's flatter. So that's not where the story ends. Though. So then me and Jason are like, look, we, we finally get the gremlins out. Meanwhile, there's all these groups of people in the streets, like just drunk. Like, like it felt like it was St. Patrick's Day mixed with New Year's up there. Because okay. I've worked with those holidays in that area. And it was just like, just gremlin time. A very specific type of person. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just like yeah. going ham. Yeah. You know, because I mean, most people are like, we're drinking to pass out in their hotbed. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I'm gonna get drunk enough, get a little buzz on, pass out, I'll wake up and the power will be back on. These people are using it as a chance of just like <laughs> gremlin time. Yeah, yeah. Just doing yeah. Time. So we finally um, get them out, but then they're like, so me and Jason, Jason lives in Staten Island and I live down in Larissa. And you know, we're like, let's just sleep here. We'll sleep in the bar because, like, if you, because the bar had two levels and if like you went to the very lower level, it was not AC, but it was not like August hot. Yeah. Okay, but the creepy thing is that whole bar just had like a glass front door, so it was not like you weren't feeling like super secure. If zombies were coming, honey, that would not be my place of choice. Yes, okay. So we're doing that. Meanwhile, like every fifteen minutes, we hear just hordes begging on that door, being like, "We know you're in there. Open up!" Like people were just trying to get gremliny because we couldn't. Um, I don't know how they knew. Oh, because we had candles in there, so we didn't fucking trip and shit. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. you know, they were like, we know there's life in there, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, just not sleeping all night. Spooked and spooked and spooked about that. Finally, we get up the next morning. We're like, all right, let's go scavenger and find some fucking food. We go to, like, a bodega, you know, walk around the city. And I think finally, like, the power came on that day, maybe at, like, 5.36. 
So we then had to go back and work another full shift at that place. I know, not even showered, but just more like, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm Still busy as hell because people are still stuck in the city. This time they're feeling it more because there's power. So everyone's trying yeah. to like just get back in the zone. Finally get off at like four. Take, you know, and again, I'm trigger warning, I'm poked up as hell. You okay. know, my yeah, 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 yeah. You know, open my door, look around, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why is my shit missing? And then I realized I had been robbed because my stupid ass left my window open. Oh my god. I know. No way. So then I called the police and I'm like, oh shit, I've been robbed. And they're like, are they still there? And I'm like, I don't know. They were like, get out. So so I fucking just like freak out, drop everything, shut my door, and then I end up locking myself out. Because when the cop was like, get out of there, I dropped dropped everything, including my keys. So now I'm fucking choked out. I've been robbed and I'm locked out of my apartment. And you're overworked and uh-huh. yeah. And not and, the first time you've been robbed because you also got the pizza robbery. Yes, the dine and dash. Yeah. And also, too, I had just, well, I don't think, no, I hadn't known that we had lost Steve's on yet. We just thought he was okay. just. So then the police come. This is some crazy shit where I'm like, I don't even know this. This doesn't even make sense to me. They're like, they're like, you need to climb the roof, go over the fire escape, and then go through the same way the robbers did through your ace. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm still trying to, like, laugh. when I was trying to remember this story, I was like, why the hell did I not call a locksmith? I don't know if I was so poor that I just was like, this is what we're going to do. And I'm scared of heights. And yeah. I'm not agile. Okay. okay. When I go over to get on that thing, I slip a little and almost fall off the fucking roof. So, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those moments where if I ever just think about it, it's like that slow fallback where I'm like, Bitch, that is that is your Gwyneth Paltrow sliding door moment. Your yeah. ass fell off a roof, coked out, and just yeah. would have. I mean, dead as f. It was a five, you know, five stories. Yeah. The cops like kind of chuckles because one of them's on the roof, and he's like, "Oh, that could have been something." I was like, "Brenda," yeah. I, and so then I go in, push this. The cops do not follow me through the fire escape. Which, by which, the way, by the way, the way. <laughs> you're basically like Linda. You're gonna go open the door for us. So I push through the air conditioner, slide through there like I'm in fucking double dare. Roll on the floor. Finally, I'm in my apartment. I'm like, okay, thank God. Then go open the door. The cops come in to start taking a statement. Girl, the only thing, because okay, the man stole all my clothes. I'm a particular size. So I find that very odd. You know what I'm saying? You're not stealing shit that you can sell to the masses. Stole all these, ran all my DVDs, my computer and everything, but just straight up left. And this is, this is not cool. Porn on the floor. Like my little DVD porn. So then the, the damn cops come in. They're reading that shit and they're like, oh. I fucked a pizza boy and just like giving, I said, boys, yeah. I've just been robbed. I just almost fell off a prize. I said, we don't need this right now. Yeah. And then, and then I found out too, they threw up in my bed, the robbers. I know that was the other thing. I was just like, who? So I'm assuming, I guess they were like drugged out or something. Yeah. But like, yeah. I'm like, why are you going to throw up in my bed after you take everything? Yeah. <laughs> they felt so guilty. <laughs> they puked. Yeah. And I, yeah, that was, uh, that was my dateline night. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, first, first of all, Steve Zahn, wherever you are, we hope you're well. Sending good vibes, thoughts, and prayers. But I'm just telling you, he he had a limit. He had an expiration date. Because that's because I'm telling you, the type of person that's going to go to the 16th floor of a, of a, that's like running up to the tower, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah, uh-uh. yeah, yeah, uh-uh. yeah. Go- you, you know what you're doing. Some people, I don't know. I don't know if I think people are stupid. 
not by any fault of their own, just by conditioning. I don't know if people are just, and I think that's a good use of the word stupid. I agree. I, I think, I don't know if people are just unfortunately stupid or they don't have instincts. Because this instincts. is my thing. But yeah. he was sneaky enough. Think about it. He was sneaky enough to know like the rule book of like, this is this is when you order the third drink, so you might not have to go all the way. So I'm like, there was some intelligence there. But okay. this is the crazy thing to me, is the man didn't, it was not like I'm stealing this money for, or I'm doing this for, for my family, or I'm doing this because I have this invention I got to build. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's where it gets stupid. But it's like, bro, you're just doing this to get like a bottle of wine. Don't you, I'd much rather steal the bottle of wine than get murdered over it, Stephen's on. Now, the older man there, he wasn't um, conventionally attractive. He was kind of like a... Or I mean, he looked like a nine-year-old serial killer. You know okay, saying? he looked like, like a... And I guess that's a type. That is a type. I'm Some people have a kink, you, and I'm not here to kink shame. I am a... I, I'm a stoner. I barely remember my last name. But right. I will never forget that serial killer's face. Like, if yeah. I could draw that artist, honey, I would draw you the perfect rendering of that shit. <laughs> I'm telling you, because I just looked at him, I was like, mm -mm. oh, you killed. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a bold person, too, to be like, hey, y'all want to go to my 16th floor during the power? Blackout is just like, mm. Yeah. There, wow. ain't enough money. there ain't enough money terrifying first of all that was absolutely wild and second <laughs> of all the fact that not to be eerie and creepy but the fact that we're all at the mercy of a power grid at any second you ain't lied is that wild or what that is I, i'm telling you like if, yeah if you watch the zombie things that's why i think that's the worst in the zombies you could run from a zombie but if you can't take a shower you ain't got no power people aren't going wild because that shit just makes you go furled yeah yeah and even a couple of weeks ago so the theater that we performed at i wasn't there that night but you had to and we we're on oh, the sixth floor yeah. when we perform there was a a threat of fire right uh-huh and so yeah like and we were me and whitney were actually someone I, my good friend i performed with fucking we're actually in the elevator so when we okay when we get to the theater they're like there was an elevator there's two there's two uh elevators there was like there's an elevator in one fire but our elevator is good that's not what you want to hear going into a building yeah you yeah yeah no fires so then we're like okay let's do this so we get up to the sixth floor we had to go do a beer run so we're getting in the elevator and we're slowly going down and we hear this like we're talking because we just had a second then we're hearing this beep beep and like, what is that beeping and then whitney looks up and you know the little uh button with the fireman hat that shit yeah, is like yeah. And we're like, oh, no. And so we're thinking we're going straight down into just a pit of fire. And yeah. so we we just both kind of like crouch and hold on to each other on the side, like, bro, we might get burned. That thing makes a slow descent, finally opens up. And thank God we're on the first, like the lobby. We just run out of the building. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, the fire was in the other elevator. But then, yeah, we had to go up to six flights and that. But we did it because, you know what? Love the game. Lo you do it for Work the love of the game. Flight. And I know that's what's up. But that that is always, um, that's so scary to be human beings like we just forget how um i don't know what the word i'm looking for but we're at the mercy of so much stuff we think we're so mm -hmm. invincible but we're at the mercy of so much stuff and it's just it's just crazy and then i also do i'm like think back i'm like i wonder how different that night would be if like with instagram with i mean i'm not trying to age myself but you know what i'm saying like yeah. like we weren't even not even really texting like, like i just remember my boss was calling that night that's how yeah. old school it was yeah but, yeah yeah it is a shift because I feel like it's getting for me and I'm assuming you too, it's getting to a point now where we can remember instances where it was like, oh, this is a drastic difference from the way it was 10 years mm -hmm. ago, or this is a drastic difference than the way it was 20 years ago. 
Wow. I, I remember people used to be like, oh, we're going to meet at this place at this time. And then you just had to trust. Now <laughs> it's like, I have checked my phone six times before I've even like had tea in the morning. And I'm like, oh, I know where this person is on vacation. I know like it's, it's too much. Do you feel like we know too much about each other? Yes, because you can't really be shady. And you know how back in the day you could be like, I'm going in the subway. Now the subway has service. Yeah. So you, can't, you can't have any me time. Yeah. And then also, too, I think it's like, like, I don't jump on the phone anymore. I'm all about usually text. And then, like, I think also, too, I'll use Instagram as a form of text, if that makes sense. But, yeah. like, it's very, very interesting. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. It's like fire that we have all this shit, but it also does take back a little bit of that human interaction, which I think also too, that's why I think we love performing because you're going back to like old school connection, like in yeah. the room performing, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Where you have an audience and they're there and it's like, you know, it's just more communal. More gorilla. I always think of our theater, um, I always use the term gorilla, not in terms of the animal, but in terms of the need. I feel like the performers need to do improv. I'm speaking for myself. Um, I... I have to, like, it keeps me sharp. It keeps me warm. I love the connection with the other people. But I think um, a lot of the people in our community specifically are people who we gravitate towards each other because there's just this primal need to do it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's so fire. Like, I fucking love, love the armory. Love it. I love it so much. I think there's just so much change with technology and everything. And I almost feel, because you are somebody who's a really outgoing person, you make people feel warm. You make people feel welcome. You know what I mean? People, oh. everybody might not know you. And I feel like I might be a little bit the same. Like everybody might not know me, but like I've never, I never try to present as um, unkind. And I feel like you're the same in that sense. But I do feel sometimes, and I'm kind of like trying to own this more, but I do feel sometimes like not obligated to always entertain, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. in a public setting yeah no totally i think like and i think that's the other thing too that i just click about like our little crew is like it's genuine when we're hanging out when we're hanging out yes. we're having those conversations that then fulfill that show on stage it's not like bitville if that makes sense yeah. because you get a bunch of uh comedians together and it can slowly not have the depth it could just be like one up bitman and try, trying to make people laugh and stuff and i just feel like all of us have that genuine communication and genuine love for each other and then that translates to the work if that makes sense because it's very rare that we're sitting around I mean like we're funny individuals like yes yes sound to say funny shit but it's not like pushing it or whatever yeah and now I just feel like getting into that a little bit you and I we know each other but I feel like there's some things I want to know about you that I don't know so we talked a little bit about you doing drag when yep. was the last time you did drag that would probably be 2004. It was at that club that, that, yeah, that was in the story. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Like, I mean, I was not like, like, I think drag queens, I get hats off to them because I was yeah. like a, a shitty one. Basically, like, I didn't do my own makeup. What I would do is I would go to FIT and like to the makeup thing and be like, oh, you want to try out your makeup or your book? Come do this. Yeah. And with like clothes. And so like I was outsourcing it, which I think, I think some drag queens actually do do that now. They, I, don't, yeah. I don't know about their makeup and stuff, but they definitely outsource their looks and whatnot. But like, yeah, it was funny. Um, but yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I enjoyed that. But it's it's such a commitment. Yes. Such a life. Like, it's like, you know. It a, and it's something you have to build from the ground up and then start getting gigs. But that is cool that you got to experience it and do it for a little bit. And then now you're not only an improviser, but you're a songwriter. Oh, yeah. So like, like you know, I'm in my single era. 
single yes. era. And you wrote a song recently and released it called I'm Here For It. Was that the first song that you've written and released? Yeah, the first song I've written and released, I did write um, with my writing partner back in like 2010. We wrote a one act musical together. Okay. For, yeah, played for about a year in New York. Oh, it's called awesome. Cinderella. Yeah. What we did with that was we just took like already established songs and changed the lyrics. So I can do lyrics. Like on this track, Sky Adler did the music for me. So like he basically came in and like laid down some music and then I would just do the lyrics over it. But yeah, I'm excited. It's been fun. I think it's a good little summer jam. It's I'm really required to do a Christmas one. It's really, really, really fun. It's real, and I'm not just saying this because I'm your friend. Like it has this pop feel, it has a club feel, but it's also a little bit political too. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing is like I want you to vibe with it, but I also want you to be like, like it should be a record scratch in your head. There's some definitely some stuff that gets thrown out in there where you should be like, oh, I mean, you should definitely think about it. It comes yeah. up like bubble gum, but it's an it's a gobstopper. It's got level players. Yeah. It, it's one of those songs where, you know, maybe even somebody who just finds it catchy and next thing you know, they're singing lyrics. It, I don't want to be like, oh, it could change the world. But in a little way, like if somebody found your song catchy, then the next thing you know, they're singing all these political lyrics with it. You're like, oh, he really sprinkled that in there. I love that. I mean, but I think that's our job, too, especially yes. now as artists, like we've got to like you got to keep it real and you've got to like be subversive and you've got to like get your message out there and you've got to figure out the way to get it to the peeps if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I think I just like, I run, I feel like everyone who I perform with is just so intelligent and it's like, just want to match that if that makes sense. I'm always inspired yeah. by people around me. I love to perform with people I feel challenged by. Yeah. I mean, and that, yeah. I mean, and I feel like I'm like, they're great at the place we work at and it's just yeah. so humbling and like, fire and again you know like make me infuse my work with that because i mean i'll be honest with you probably like a year ago i don't know if it would have been if that single would have come out the same way but because i'm around people who just are constantly pushing it in that arena mm -hmm. it rubs off on you and it makes you stop and think it makes you really you know just humbled and blessed and lucky and also you're you are the company you keep so if you're constantly hanging out with creatives and people who want to make things happen it's going to if that fire is in you it's just going to water it especially if you have a group that makes you feel supported and nurtured and i hope and think that you do have a group that makes you feel supported oh, totally, and nurtured totally. um so everyone should listen to your single everyone should look out um, for your christmas single i hope it's yes. millions of them um because you're just such a great songwriter. Are you going to keep collaborating with the person who laid down? Who's yeah, the person that totally. laid down your track? Uh, Sky Adler. He's a great musician. I mean, he's he's big stuff. And so it's mm -hmm. so nice for nice of uh, him to do that for me. And so definitely going to keep collaborating with him. He's actually the uh, the voice you can hear in the chorus. That, that's him. Nice, nice. Yeah, so he's nice. saying he's here for it. Uh, amazing. That's so cool. But I'm yeah. always here, too, for your podcast. It's the firest. It's the oh. best. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I really appreciate that feedback in that and um, just being so kind and genuine and supportive of the show. And will you let everybody know where they can follow you and find you online? 100% Instagram at Harvey Milkshake. That was my drag name at Ooh. Harvey Milkshake. And then the single is out now on iTunes, Apple Music, and then hopefully in two days on Spotify. Yes, baby. <laughs> we love it. So Scott, mm -hmm. I love you. Follow Harvey Milkshake. Go see Scott live in New York City. Listen to his single. I'm here for it. Buy it on iTunes if you got the $2, baby. And I know you do. And Scott, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're the, the best person ever. You're the you moment, the icon, the legend. And you're the MVP. Oh, dabs. Dabs. Scott, you and I will talk soon. All right. I love it. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye.